The year is 2003. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. I'm Charlotte. And this is My Marvelous Year. Hello and welcome to My Marvelous Year, the comic book reading club where we go through the best of Marvel comics from its origins to today. I'm Zach, your comic book master. I'm joined by Dave, comic <laughs> book expert. Stop who is the... Just stop <laughs> it. We can't let this edit. go. We can't let this go out. on any further. Charlotte, what, what do we do? What do we do with a man who's just... We, we, we raised him and we brought him into our school <laughs> and we tried to teach him our ways and he is just rioting in our faces. He's wearing these fancy polos now. He's getting tattoos. He's calling himself an <laughs> Omega level comic book master. What are you and doing? And you're like, you can't like, wear I, a I shirt the, like that. And I think the only solution no is to put him into a coma and let him ascend to another plane of existence. I I'm, think. I'm very comfortable with that. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, too comfortable. Zach, I'm please joined by Dave, the, the comic book expert, who I'm going to mercy kill and rocket into the sun. Um, now that this intro has played out, I had something much nicer planned. Oh, but, sorry, uh, I that's ruined the way it. That that's going. I, you know and, what? You uh, know what ruined it was when I commented on your polo. You thought you looked so cool in your striped <laughs> polo. And uh, and Zach, I gotta tell you, you're just you're not a zoomer anymore. Also, that is three sizes too small. <laughs> that yeah, we gotta talk about that shirt. I don't I don't understand what Xavier was very upset about that shirt. And I <laughs> felt like I was missing something. Yeah, same. <laughs> um. And uh, also joined by Charlotte, comic book Rainbow Belt, who, well, this this was uh, set for Dave, just to let you know, I was going to switch these earlier, but uh, the only person that I would share a dozen egg hatchling babies with, it's Aww. Charlotte. Aww. I was going to have that with, I was going to have these babies with Dave, but he had to go to Thank the Thank you phone. for only giving me that, that compliment when you have to say something mean about Dave. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it did seem weirder to say that I wanted to have children egg sack babies with you for some <laughs> The age difference does uh, fair enough. Put a, yeah, it's, yeah, it's the age difference. Yep, yeah, that's yeah, a little that's bit. The but you know what? We're past that. <laughs> um, okay, so we read some new X Men comics. In fact, we read basically all the new X Men comics. No, Dave, basically. stop lying to the people. Two thousand four has new X Men comics. It's true, and we're gonna have a pretty. It, special it says on guest. our spreadsheet too. We're gonna, yeah. we're gonna have a special guest for the the true oh, right. finale oh, of New X Men. Oh. Um, early. Who season. is it? Who is it? I'll tell you one day when I okay. when I simultaneously <laughs> so. tell you, uh, you know whether or not we have space that episode. Oh, okay. But um, yeah, so we read New X Men 134 to 150 today, mm. which is which is three story arcs. We read Riot and mm-hmm. Xavier's um, Assault on Weapon Plus, and then Planet X. These are all written by Grant Morrison. You got Frank Quitely in there on art. You got Phil Jimenez on Planet X, and then uh, Chris Bocciolo. Bacalo. Which I definitely right. just botchaloed when I said. <laughs> okay, all right. There you <laughs> <Right>? go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah. So we got some great artists here uh, doing these new X-Men stories. All right. First things first. Charlotte, rank them. Ooh, boy. 
Oh, um, easy. Easy to rank these. Huh. That's what I want to see. I think Riot at Xavier's first, then Planet X, then Phantom X. Okay, okay. Zach? Uh, yeah, same. Uh, wait, is the Emma Frost murder arc not in this one? I, I read everything from that we skipped from 2002. Like, we left off at uh, 127, so I read 128 oh, okay. to 133, Is but I thought that Emma Frost's, like, murder arc was here. It is, is a right? part of this, but I don't think it's, like, a full arc because it's just one issue. So it's, it's kind of like a intermediate no, one it's, issue. No, it's yeah. three things. It's one issue where, like, yeah, you get the gene, uh, the gene Emma Frost, like, showdown that ends with Emma being smashed, and then two issues of Bishop and Sage coming in to, um, to look long. for them. Huh. Yeah, it, it is three things. I wonder if your Marvel Unlimited glitched, because mine did, and it skipped a couple of issues. And then I was like, what the hell's happening? Why are we in the middle of this other thing? And I had to go back. Um, oh, shit. So That's very possible. I wonder, I wonder if you uh, <laughs> actually even read them. I know with Morrison, it kind of feels like, maybe, did you skip issues? <laughs> or <laughs> I feel like you yeah, could just skip some issues and be like, well, so I the, guess this is just a Morrison. The gist of what you're saying, though, Zach, is Gene Number catch, one is the Gene Emma Frost murder Emma. arc. Is, yeah, um, that's cheating with Scott, right? Or yep. psych- psychically, is it cheating? Do we should we talk mm-hmm. about that for half an hour? Mm-hmm. Um, no, it, yep. <laughs> it clearly is. And she gets mad, and she well, <laughs> and uh, and yeah. you know Emma then has a, a murder mystery to solve. That that is talked about, but we kind of pass over. <laughs> I like <laughs> referring to uh, the, <laughs> the murder victim. Murdered, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as they they're the ones with the the mystery to solve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Have I got a mystery for you? It's uh yeah. Oh shit, I did skip 40 uh, 141 142. There's no excuse for your language. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, but like, off, yeah, apparently uh, apparently oh. okay. you need to put a Go fronk cuz those you need to put a so, fronk in the swear jar. <laughs> so Angel was just uh showed up with a bunch of babies and you were like, "Hmm, okay." Yeah. There we kinda, go. I guess honestly. Angel and Beak had babies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess that's the way that Morrison can function sometimes, but um Okay, so that was the standout for me. I really liked that arc, especially the the Gene Emma stuff. That was your favorite. I think favorite. that works really well. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting you started out ranking these because I do think I think there's a kind of inconsistency to this run, which is true of a lot of runs. It has its ups and downs, mm-hmm. but like there there certainly is like highlights and then some like oh this is lost in the weeds runs for me in like the uh, what is it, assault on Weapon X or whatever it was Weapon, Weapon Plus. Plus now yeah. Yeah, that 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 was the low point where I was like, "This is confused. It's kind of muddled. It's you know, like literally, I don't know what's happening page to page sometimes." Mm-hmm. Um, and that that was like the low light for me. Um, but Phantom X is cool, huh? Like we missed the introduction of Phantom X. I read it last night and I was a little surprised, but like Phantom X is pretty cool. Only huh? cool only guy? the the weak among us. Missed the introduction uh-huh. to Phantom X, as this has been declared a read-it-all run. I, I let all three of us have read it, so you're you're just insulting a handful of listeners now. Oh no, I'm in, I'm intending to insult more than a handful. Oh, good, I, I okay. hope it's way more than a handful. Um, no, I okay. So my rankings are actually quite different than all of yours. Um, uh. Assault on Weapon Plus is my favorite. Whoa. Um, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> Riot Xavier's <laughs> is clearly the best, but I'm going to put it second. And then I would put Planet X a dead last. Dead last. Planet X, the still controversial storyline, which we're going to get to in a moment. So, all right, let's go in order. Um, I guess, actually, here, let's also just talk about this. Zach, you're kind of alluding to it there with inconsistency, with some swings and misses, 
with Morrison kind of just being like, all right, did I miss something? Or is this just the way the story's going? Mm -hmm. How do you feel about New X-Men? You know, these because I think at the start of it, we were all pretty on the same page in terms of like, this is a much needed breath of fresh air. Um, Morrison is taking swings. They are developing mutant culture. They are developing mutant kind, new uh, uh, individuals, new characters, right? Actually establishing the school. So many positives, I think, in terms of the approach. How do you feel about it having gone from issue 114 to 150, which is a lot of X-Men comics? Charlotte, let's start with you. Charlie? I, I still very much like it. I think Morrison's style here can get a bit grating after a while. Um, they have kind of a glibness that is throughout every comic and throughout every character specifically. Um, that's kind of exhausting and feels like it can be hard to take them seriously until they go into like a serious moment. It's like, oh, these can be characters after all, um, which can be annoying, especially in the Riot at Xavier's arc when everyone is like a nihilistic uh, a-hole. Um, and that like that goes with what the arc is supposed to be about, but I do think it it gets kind of annoying after a while. Um, like, there's a reason why Quentin Quire is probably the most hated character in the X-Men franchise for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and I don't even think he's a bad character, but he's kind of annoying. And there are points in this in these arcs where every every character feels like a Quentin Quire, um, which is kind of annoying. Um, but overall, like, I think there is a stylistic strength to this. And... Maybe not cleanliness, because the art change can get a bit uh, muddy. Um, but like, there is there is a style and an ability to to make comics here that is like feels so much more refreshing than everything we've read for of X Men throughout the nineties. So like, I guess I'm just holding this to a higher standard, and it yeah, feels sure. disappointing yeah. compared to the highs it had it has hit before, especially like the the first few arcs. Um, like, yeah, still very good, but can get exhausting on some some on some levels, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It, and it hasn't like, for me, it hasn't changed that much from the beginning. It's not necessarily that. It's just that like, okay, now that we've read the whole thing, the like the Morrisonisms, you know, are very clear, and they've run through the the heart of the series. So like, yeah, a little bit of the glibness and that like sense of humor, which I. Yeah. <laughs> I find their sense of humor just... I think I said this last episode we talked about it. Incredibly lame. They're just... There, okay, but there's a moment, and I'm, uh, I'm getting way ahead of myself, in Planet X, where Magneto goes off on carrots being a vegetable. Do y'all know what I'm talking yeah. about? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, It yeah. is the funniest uh, out of... Like, it is so out of place. He's, like, ready it, to murder him over this. Yeah. It is so funny. It, I don't know. It's, the, like, the, so there's out still, of place. There's but, jokes that work. Yeah. Like, the, there's the joke where... Um, Beak and Angel are in the woods, and you might maybe this isn't actually in the no no I know I read, know exactly I, what you're talking about yeah where Zorn Zorn has taken the kids out on a camping trip and Beak and Angel are in the woods I think it's their first time like trying to sneak off to have sex and they have a really interesting relationship Angel and Beak which is like Angel kind of um, like sweetly bullying him <laughs> I guess while also like really sticking by his side and being like kind of into him so. Uh, but it's clear that it's not working and that Beak is, like, kind of nervous and freaked out by this whole, like, sex thing and wants it to be more romantic, I think. I, I don't know. Like, you, you, you kind of get 
just the idea it's not working he's like god i wish you know what if someone walked in on us and she's like oh no one's gonna come over in the middle of the woods and he's like clearly wanting to get out of it and then a villain shows up and he's like oh thank god (laughs) (laughs) yeah in the way that like he looks into the camera as the light shines across them it it was a really good comedy beat yeah it's pretty Um, well yeah i like the two of them actually the two of them are really interesting and the uh well yeah we'll wait till the zorn twist uh yeah anyway so the the overall impression i have is like yeah i i like this run a lot like it really you know it's really like intriguing it's it's something i want to return to but like it's starting to land on a like these are some really cool great ideas and i'm looking forward to someone else having them i guess Mm. and and not necessarily like uh it's not like when bendis made miles morales and i was kind of like well this is a great new character that's like really not living up to his potential it, it it's kind of a separate thing than that it's like morrison i don't know it you know what actually reminded me of i we often express surprise i think where people do in general when they find out that like morrison and miller work together a lot and we're like yeah. very much you know like contemporaries and partners and um and you don't really think of their work as being alike, but this this <laughs> oh, whole time here. I was thinking, yeah, yeah, this yeah. whole time I was thinking of not just like actual plot stuff that was happening in Ultimate X Men, which we can talk about, but something that I like complained about in Ultimate X Men is like Miller being like, oh, here's a cool detail that I'm not going to do anything with that I'm just throwing out to the side, and it, you know, it's more about having like the world full of like neat asides than it is following through on plot mechanics and story structure and like character consistency and stuff. And uh, I think that's actually like a real similar. I wonder if that's like even philosophically something the two of them discussed, which is like, you know, if it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it fits in the plot or if you can do anything with it. If you can wow the audience for a second with a sentence, like just go for it. Cause that's, yeah. that's the kind of yeah. uh, tone. This I was the this. first, it, this was yeah. the first time reading these comics, which I've probably read this run three times now and then mm-hmm. various arcs you know I've popped in and out of just remember what happened but like this is the first time i read it and especially the planet x arc where i was like oh grant's doing ultimate x-men um and i hadn't really seen it before and i hadn't really thought about the fact that like oh yeah this is running parallel to miller so on weird. ultimate x-men yeah right and i think when people because people a lot of times are like yeah morrison's marvel work is you know the least of their stuff and it's it's a mildly hard thing to fight against um, because it's like yeah generally I kind of agree but when you look at New X Men and Marvel Boy even Fantastic Four one two three four it's like Grant's kind of doing the Ultimate Universe comics it, it's like it, Grant kind of always should have fit right in there in terms of just like unbridled freshness and newness and I'm I'm super glad it's in six one six and it mm-hmm. and people have to reconcile the things that are happening here and that some of it eventually can get integrated into the fabric because that newness is incredibly appreciated. I I think in superhero comics, increasingly so, right? And the further we do this, you know, we've read 40 years of these comics for the Mimer of the Year Club right now. The thing I value most is people coming in and being like, how can we change the game a little, right? How can we make this not repetitive? And, you know, Charlotte, you alluded to this, but like I've seen a lot of folks being like, you know, Morrison... It, it, it's still a very controversial run, and you have a lot of people who are like, Morrison didn't understand the X-Men, and they were a terrible fit, and I don't get why people love this run. Listen, coming out of the 90s, 
into yeah. this. Like there was nothing more exhilarating or refreshing than getting to the first issue of E is for Extinction after those 90s comics we had to cover. And this isn't like a blanket 90s statement, but X-Men comics had gotten so flipping repetitive. They had mm-hmm. gotten so yeah. stale and repetitive. And that is the thing that Morrison is doing here over and over and over again is destroying repetitive cycles to, to their own detriment by Planet X, okay? In ways that don't work in Planet X, but they're still trying to destroy repetitive cycles. And I kind of love that. I kind of love that. But it all, it also, I think because of that, feels like, oh, this is something that maybe would have played, I mean, Marvel Boy for sure. It's like, Marvel Boy could have just been an Ultimate Universe comic. There's no reason that had to fit into 616. Mm -hmm. Um, New X-Men has a lot of moments like that as well. Uh, And maybe all, maybe all runs should, (laughs) you know? Um, But yeah, I I think I agree with you in terms, both of you in terms of like, I don't hold this up as the gold standard necessarily of a perfect comic book run it is it is always interesting it is often excellent and it is at times pretty messy Um, it it can be frustrating to me like i I kept feeling frustrated in like i mean i still kept having that feeling i think we talked about this with um miller and electra assassin which is also a very like messy kind of incoherent feeling book Mm. like but intentionally so, right? That's the, like the the tone of it, and that feeling of being like you're strapped in because you feel like the creator has has you like nestled in their arms and is like, "Don't worry, I'll take care of you." Like <laughs> I, I know what's going on, even if you don't. I don't so, think like, that's a comfort comic. <laughs> I yeah, I want when I read that comic, I just always imagine I'm burrowed into Frank Miller's uh, strong arms. Um, <laughs> the the. Uh, yeah, like you, you feel the confidence of the like creation behind that there. With Morrison, sometimes I feel that where I'm like the like kind of messiness and flitting around from thing to thing and being like, here's a detail that I'm just not going to bring up again for another 18 issues because that happens. It's weird. Like sometimes they mention something and then it just does not come to pass for like a year and a half of real time. Um, that can feel less confident and more like. Uh, like a lack of care, a lack of, or at least priorities. Maybe you know they mm. they care less about it than I do, right? So you know, it might not. It's not like a skill thing. It's just like their approach to the comics uh, frustrates me. I that I, I do want to comment on that structure. particular yeah. aspect because um, I've been so I finally said okay, I'm gonna actually sit down and read the Invisibles before mm-hmm. this conversation, which is Morrison's mm-hmm. uh, independent Vertigo work which they created and worked with a whole host of really interesting artists like Joel Thompson and a lot of Phil Jimenez, actually, um, by the time. And it's it winds up being about 60 issues. And I had read maybe the first four to six and and was just like, okay, I'm, I, I'm good. I got it. I don't want to read this. But I was finally like, okay, this is kind of like Morrison's, you know, like they have a self-insert character in the comic. It's kind of their, it, it's probably the most Morrison independent work, you know. Mm. It's definitely the one that like people will proclaim it their favorite comic of all time. And people will be like, it is unreadable, right? It can go either either way. Um, So I finally, I've been sitting with it, and not to go full invisibles, but it's like one thing that Morrison does in there that they do better than really anyone I think I've ever read is like absolute faith and patience that they will get back to a thing. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) like Like dozens of issues down the road. Like, Like so far down the road that it is, unless you're reading it in a binge, it is completely 
it doesn't work. I don't think like like brains well, cannot hold information that long and care that long. Um, mm-hmm. But but it's just like unlimited patience in that book, and it does it kind of doesn't works. it feel that sometimes like. But they have an idea and they're like, oh, yeah, I said that a while ago. I guess I got to return to that. Like, instead of like, this was all carefully plotted out. Like, so the the example I'm thinking of is at the very end here, uh, the White House is about to nuke New York City because Magneto's taken over. And Beast, like, calls the president and is like, yeah. don't do it. Uh, and they're like, why should we trust a mutant? And he's like, because I'm the only one who can stop the like genetic virus, you know, like that's going to destroy you within a generation or two something like that and i'm like oh yeah that's right you said that way back in like 2001 like beast discovered this like 35 issues ago but then it's just that it's just beast saying that and using it as a bargaining chip so like to me it kind of felt just like a thrown in reference back to it rather than like a core plot point like it's kind of a big thing to mention and like i guess they did square the circle at the end or like close the loop but it was not like in a big satisfying way or in a way that even felt like it was planned. It kind of felt like <laughs> someone remembered it right at the last minute and was like, do you remember you said that? And it was like, oh yeah, I I'll think, find a way to throw that back in. I, so this is like a, a broader comics conversation, I think definitely. But I, I do think it's more important to give the feeling that something was planned than it is to have actually planned it. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, yeah, I yeah. think what you're describing is, well, it didn't feel like we were building to that moment right narratively and it kind of just came out of the blue so then it feels disconnected i think that is the failure there or that is the the yeah i'm having no comment on their actual like planning because well i just think that comes up a lot where it's like because jonathan hickman gets a ton of credit for this in their marvel comics work where it's like oh he plotted you know he's such a planner and he planned everything that's not actually how most creators work um hickman included right they leave themselves they write things and they think that could set up something down the road. And then as they're writing later, they think, oh, how do I square that circle? I left myself an interesting mm-hmm. hint, right? Um, yeah. I think that's actually, like, just from all the creator interviews I've read, the, you'll have creators who'll be like, I knew how it was going to end, but it's very rare that they're like, yeah, I outlined everything and I followed that outline to a T, you know? So um, that's just not, and, and I think it leads to better work, you know? It's just not how people work. So I think in terms of Morrison, like, having plotted everything through i don't know like like very few people understand ongoing comics more than grant morrison you know what i mean like they they're one of the most gifted individuals in the world at setting things up and then resolving them in a satisfying way um Mm -hmm. i think you know but but that doesn't that doesn't i don't want to say that and as a even like a shutdown to what you're saying because i think what you're saying is still valid in terms of being like okay but that that should have been it didn't feel satisfying it wasn't satisfying in in your whatever whatever the reason Yeah. yeah Yeah, it doesn't mean that it worked, but I but I do think it's like, I think they knew, I think they knew what they were doing. I guess is more my point because I've seen, oh, I've sure. seen a I lot mean, of people yeah, lately I... being like, you know, they had no idea where they were going and they didn't understand X Men and blah blah blah. And it's like, I I just don't think that's the thing you can say about Morrison. Yeah. No, I have no. I mean, yeah. If I had to really think about it, like Morrison is such a like detail hound when it comes to like their DC stuff, right? And like all these deep cuts and you know long continuity stuff. So like, no, I don't know. I'm I'm not really ascribing like a a failure to like think it through yeah you're you're correct it's it's the feeling that it didn't feel that it felt like shoehorned in at the end but who knows you know yeah. it might have been exactly what they wanted to do um it's yeah about I, the like big plan like it feels like it very much feels like they have the big plan like the big story ideas it's more it feels more like it's on in the details and in the ways they can mm-hmm. 
they they are bring brought up like it that feel kind of awkward i guess or like the it, it feels like oh overall that's what was supposed to happen but why why is this happening oh right because that happened 50 issues ago or even like i mean i don't want to talk about it uh, so much before we talk about the actual planet x part but like even the zone stuff feels like okay if you go back you can see maybe there were hints but like it it doesn't feel like there was the work yeah. put into to teasing that doesn't I mean, I, I read all of this like in one sit through, and I, I had trouble seeing how it was foreshadowed. If you were, yeah. if you read this like yeah. month to month, no idea. Like it would feel like it came out of nowhere, even if even if it actually didn't. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's that feeling that uh, that becomes a problem. Okay. Before so, we do which... Zorn, before we do Zorn, okay. yeah. Okay. What do we want to say about Riot at Xavier's? Because I think it's a very good mm-hmm. arc. I think it's often held up as one of the best. Of the Morrison New X-Men run. Uh, it's got Frank Quietly throughout it, um, which is obviously a boon. I mean, Quietly is, is so good and defines the aesthetic and the visuals of this era. Um, it's Quentin Quire and the teens rebelling against Professor Xavier. They're doing it during a time when Professor X is trying to have humans come visit the school. Quentin's teens are particularly aggrieved by the beating and murder of Jumbo Carnation, a mutant fashion designer who they take as, you know, kind of their martyr and their inspiration. And, uh, you know, basically it winds up being the, it, this is the the formation of Magneto was right in the t-shirt that Quentin Quire is wearing in terms of like, we cannot live in this world with humans. They kill mutants. And that's all they'll ever do. But it's it's particularly effective, I think, for me definitely with like, okay, Professor X is the big headmaster and he's got his school of kids now. But hey, what happens when the kids rebel? What happens when they have ideas of their own? How does Charlie handle that? And the answer generally is quite badly, <laughs> you know? Um, I think this arc's very effective. I think it makes some big mistakes, uh, which is probably kind of honestly not what I would say about all of the arcs here, with the exception of, like, Ease for Extinction. I don't know that Ease for Extinction makes any mistakes. Kind of a perfect three issues. Um, the mistakes for me in Ryan and Xavier's, I guess we'll just dive into that. Yeah, please. The mistakes I think it makes are, okay, Jumbo's murder is a catalyst, and it is a hard problem, and Grant gives it the out of being drug-induced behavior. Like, like there's a recurring focus on kick, this mutant drug that enhances your abilities, which is an interesting Morrisonism, for sure. Um, but he, he they kind of keep leaning back on, like, the drugs did it. Oh, the drugs were the problem. And it's just a, it's a weird undercurrent. Well, to the point where the, the murder was not a murder, it was an overdose. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that, and it, that's a, that's and it a gives mistake. an out where it's like, okay, but now you're yeah. now you're not actually talking about the issue anymore because uh-huh. the violence against the marginalized community is is a mutant metaphor that we can have a hard conversation about. And now you just backed out to the point where it's well, Professor X was right because guess what? It wasn't actually a murder; it was a drug overdose. Mm-hmm. I, to me, that's a giant mistake. Um, it it really diminishes yeah. what is otherwise a difficult conversation that Professor X is losing. He's losing that conversation with Quentin Quire, right? I, I don't know. Do you both, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, totally. It, it It's not a messy conversation anymore, and now it's like there's a clear moral high ground that uh, Professor X is standing on uh, against the kids, and they are, like, just a bunch of, like, murderers and ruffians, you know? And that's it. Not, not that, like, I think they make a compelling case, right? Like, they are just kind of, like, lashing out as angry teens, right? And they're using this as their... Uh, their you know excuse to kind of run uh, run wild but like 
the yeah un- undercutting it entirely by that is very yeah i don't know it kind of feels like it, it also feels it feels very in line with the history of marvel though in a way that's like surprising for morrison it, kind of like i don't know that it was that way yes i don't know that it was but there's famously morrison clashing with editorial on a lot of things that mm. felt like a marvel editorial decision as a because like <laughs> you want to talk about reading the invisibles you know who's not opposed to drug use it's grant morrison right like yeah. that is yeah. a weird <laughs> like that is not who this person is so i i would not be surprised to learn that I mean, yeah, it, I think it's hard for me to talk about the those specific failures of um, Roger Xavier's without talking about Planet X in a way, because I feel like that's all tied together in... All right, let's 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 do it. Let's do it. Well, in what this book is trying to do with the Magneto-Xavier dynamic, because here, like, the, the frustration and the anger of the students comes from... I mean, we can see it comes from a very reasonable place of of like the violence that mutants are suffering at the hands of uh, at the hands of humans but there has still to be that moral superiority of Xavier and the X-Men compared to Magneto who is in new X-Men's view at least uh, like that genocidal maniac and that racist xenophobic uh, uh, maniac like he comes from when the book is about the students, the mutants are the min- the oppressed minority and the humans are the power. But when the book is about Magneto, it's the opposite. And those two things are hard to reconcile. And that's true of all X-Men comics. But here with the, the focus that is given to that question, like it's it becomes harder and harder to reconcile and it makes for like it's frustrating it's frustrating because it feels like the book is contract contra- contradicting itself in some ways yeah um because of how that metaphor is failing um uh, yeah and like it makes that easy solution of uh, gemocination dying from d- drug overdose frustrating because it's like no one's bringing up the point that that doesn't matter that the the like hate crime still happens um and yeah it's it's frustrating i There's guess also i mean there is a really gross i mean listen the mutant metaphor is flawed and we don't want to yeah. draw too many one-to-ones but there's a really gross history as well of like how many you know police murders of black men or black individuals have we seen where then a conversation becomes oh well how many drugs were they on yeah right and there's a there's a new cycle of oh well they were on drugs and it's like i don't if you if you're gonna play in those waters you have to be a little more careful and the, and this yeah. that this mistake does not does not take any of that into account. yeah yeah okay here's the question <clears throat> why was professor xavier so upset about how quentin looked <laughs> I could, I, the, 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 so he comes in and it's like a few pages of them going back yeah. and forth and Xavier being like, you're free to express yourself any way you want, but I really want you to change clothes. <laughs> uh, I really don't want you to wear that to open day and you're just being deliberately provocative and that's not what we're about here. And he's wearing a red striped shirt and I felt like I was missing something. I was Googling it and like, so I think- there's some... I think I, the it, idea is it's a jumbo carnation design. Like, it's a oh, is it like a Hitler's Youth thing? No, because I think they just wore like red shirts. Like the I I the, thought it. My understanding of it was just it's a jumbo carnation design, and in wearing the clothes of this murdered mutant, you are taking like a proactive anti-human stance. 
But isn't it yeah, the whole thing about clear. that, like, those clothes were inspired by the first image that human newspapers used to, to show mutants as, like, oppressing humans? And, like, though that image of the mm. diabolized oh, mutants is the one they're trying to reclaim as, like, okay, well, we are becoming what you want us to be, kind of. That's good. And, like, oh, he, he is pulling out that, the newspaper. I yeah, exactly. That caricature oh, of mutants okay. uh, made by humans, they're trying to reclaim that. And those clothes were inspired by that, if I read that correctly, I think. Okay. Well, see, that's cool. You just... You gotta make it so that it's clear for the audience I, a little see, bit. See, but that well, is... That is so much of Morrison, right? Is yeah, that's, there's that's just all frustrating these moments. To me. I know people of, like that. But. That's so cool, but there's an eighty percent chance it flies over your head. <laughs> uh, I, you know? To me, yeah, it was like maybe it was more problem with the art. To me, because like the the moments where we see that actual newspaper, we don't quite see the picture well enough. Uh, but like to me, the text made that clear, but the art didn't focus on that comparison enough so that it was like very clear what that was about um, and it didn't go back like the only people who talked about that newspaper were quentin and the other kids like xavier never talks about it so being uh, like knowing about it so yeah i guess it's also a failure of the of the of writing i guess um but yeah it, it felt like we we don't ever we so often uh, hear those kids talking about that uh, caricature of uh, mutants and we never quite see what it looks like they vaguely describe it as being namor like or something but like yeah it's, yeah, it's kind yeah, of unclear yeah. <clears throat> the the like the only thing i could think of i was trying to like really extend my mind here <laughs> is that uh he'd had like a hitler like Nazi youth haircut with the shaved sides swept back, but then like because it's that, but that haircut's become very popular, kind of in a mainstream context. Uh, I, the last, I mean, I like, see that more as like anarchy in the UK, kind of punk aesthetic too, which Morrison is is pretty into. Um, yeah, as far yeah, as yeah. just the yeah, visual I, aesthetic of the kids. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, if, unless there's some historical context to what I'm missing, uh, I'm really confused. Anyway, so Quentin, Quentin is kind of like, um, interesting little like a slippery young fascist i think that's a pretty <laughs> pretty well observed kind of like not really interested in being i mean fascists are not like ideologically sound that's like one of the core parts of fascism is but like that that he's you know very dodgy about questions and when questioned he's like is it wrong to just ask questions kind of thing right but it's just a means to an end and you know like but he's also 16 the, like let's, let's yes right yeah exactly everything here is sure. like this yeah. is this is very 16 <laughs> yeah and, and at the very end of it like he even says as he's you know getting like blasted back by all the cuckoos like i just i wanted to look cool to you yeah <laughs> right? right i did all this to like be cool which which is you know a nice detail i guess um but i, I think that's like pretty well observed that that kind of like the frustration of talking to one of these like uh you know like young fascists is that they don't actually like have a stance and you're just going to get like run around. Uh, and I think like his Quentin's conversations with people um, <clears throat> like work on that level. Uh, I think that like, that feels very true, mm -hmm. uh, true to life. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of don't get other people being convinced by him, I guess. Like some of the other, this is a problem with the comic a few times is that like people follow leaders and I'm kind of like, wait, why? Why are you following that guy? Like him? So like, <clears throat> Yeah, I, I don't really, like, maybe I don't get their characters, but, like, Glob well, Herman. There's other kids, right? I mean, you, yeah, you I have a charismatic, so. outspoken, very powerful mutant teen, and the other teens are following. Like, if Wolverine was like, <laughs> I'm on his side, <laughs> right? Like, that'd be weird. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I also didn't get, like, charismatic, right? Like, at least from the writing, so... I think in the um, sense that yeah. he is speaking attempted truth to power sure. of Professor yeah. X. Yeah. That is yeah, yeah. a, ver- a okay. very compelling thing when yeah. you're that age especially. Um, and honestly, even just as a reader, you know, I, I like it when somebody's like standing up for Professor X. It's like, yeah, give it to him. Right? Make him... Because that's the other... No, but Professor X is so selfless here. That's He's the like, thing. I'll resign. That's the thing. <laughs> is like so good. all of his conversations, all of his words, all of his arguments, they fail. You know what resolves the situation? Ultra violence, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that is not an accident, I don't think. Um, one final thought for me on Riot at Xavier's. Glob Herman has become a fan favorite uh, character mm-hmm. in recent yeah. years. Yeah, that's that's confusing to me. And we just <laughs> need to remind this. everyone that he set himself on fire and chased down a school bus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> screaming like, "I'll kill them all! Just, kill them all! Suicide bomb!" Just a reminder. <laughs> like, just a friendly reminder. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I was surprised. I was like, people love him. I thought he was supposed to be like a cutie. Listen, like, <laughs> but like, he there, there, that. I have a he lot of. That. He does become that. I have a lot of empathy for, you know, like, okay, you did something when you were fifteen, right? Let's, let's live who who among us has not <laughs> chased after a attempted a suicide bomb? I'm screaming, I'll kill them all. I just think we've yeah. all done it, you know, and we all need to, to need to forgive. Um, okay. okay, that's probably uh, more common about. <laughs> that's probably more common among uh, X Men than it is among the <laughs> yeah. general population. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I Phantom guess that's X. a good point. Yeah. Talk about... Let's talk about Phantom Can X. Talk... Please, he's so cool. He's really I cool. Re- I really don't dig Phantom X, and it's weird because he seems like he's straight out of like a Liefeld comic, like to the point where it might actually be like a little bit of a, I I, I don't know, not commentary, but like parody of a. Uh, like a Liefeld thing, but like him never taking the mask off. He's got this, you know, cool mercenary costume. He's just like, his characterization is ultra badass. Uh, and uh, he's really fun. He's like kind of who I want Deadpool to be <laughs> at this time mm. and who Deadpool has not yet been. Um, but uh, yeah, he comes in as, we, we're not covering this arc, but like he comes in as uh, part of the Weapon X program, <laughs> which it's such a Morrison thing to be like, uh, it's not Weapon X, it's Weapon 10. <laughs> you, you've been saying it wrong this whole time. Okay, but, but Zach, that is yeah. so good. That is it's, so it's, good, no, it, no one it had done good, it. Yeah. I yeah. love it. It, it. It's so wild how many things I saw here, and I was like, well, that's an ultimate. I, that's that's in the ultimate universe. So, like, when they're, like, the same weapon program created Captain America was Weapon 1, and then Nuke was part of, like, Weapon 6 or 7 or something, and yeah. then Wolverine was 10, I was like, oh yeah, that's right out of the Ultimate Universe where like everything is the super soldier thing. Like Captain America and Logan were part of the same program. Yep. yep. The drug thing they bring in later. So it kind of feels like people just read this and then stole stuff later for the most part. Uh, although this did come after... No, 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 wait. Sorry. Other way around. Ultimate X-Men also had the Magneto wanting to reverse the magnetic poles like six months after this. Like Mark Miller was writing that. So like... That's, yeah, so everyone was just stealing from this. Even Krakoa stuff. There's some stuff here, and I don't want to, like, spoil it too much, but there's some dramatic deaths here that I'm like, that happens in Krakoa, too, to, like, great emotional effect. I would <laughs> like, say this is the... I mean, this is the, the most inspiring source material yeah. for the yeah. Krakoa. Yeah, there's, there's a, I can see it, you know? Even, like, when I feel, like, plot-wise, it's kind of failing the characters. I'm like, well, this is, like, a great idea that someone could... You know, like give some emotional heft to. Right. Well, not that it always fails. Like the uh, the Wolverine killing Jean Grey 
as they like hurtle into the sun is such a big moment that's such like big super heroic comic book moment that works so well um i loved i loved that whole sequence of the two of them in the uh, in asteroid m together that's the most uh clermontian and burn i think morrison mm, gets sure. um yeah. there there is a thing and i mean i don't want to totally derail the assault on weapon plus i mean really my my commentary on it is it's so cool it's such a good idea and uh, the world is incredibly cool mm-hmm. and incredibly sci-fi this advanced area where these weapons can be trained and evolve way over time like that has so much legs and it, and it comes up over and over again i also really like the small moments of like cyclops post getting caught by gene just getting hammered in the hellfire club and wolverine coming and talking like those, there's really good character moments here as well between between wolverine and slim which I like a lot. Um, but I mean, ultimately, ultimately, you know, I think we, we got to talk about Planet X. We got, we got to talk about the big, the biggest reveal, the biggest twist, the biggest mistakes <laughs> of this run. Um, so throughout New X-Men, there's a new character introduced named Zorn. He's got a metal helmet. The X-Men rescue him in China in New X-Men Annual. He's a prisoner there, a uh, political prisoner, mutant prisoner. And uh, he's got a star inside his head incredibly powerful we then see zorn come to the team becomes one of the new x-men works with the team raises or not raises teaches the special class we see some touching moments of him you know taking the kids who definitely have more issues and problems including like angel and beak like you talked about zach taking them camping it's pretty sweet right zen philosophy mm-hmm. yeah interesting new character kind of like uh, when uh it reminded me of when magneto uh took care of the new x-men the new mutants new mutants i mean shut up <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah whatever. Sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm not a comic book nerd. I don't know this stuff like you do. Oh, sure, sure. I'm just a comic book expert or master or whatever I am. Master, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so Zorn, you know, he's, he's the most interesting new character added mm-hmm. to this run. I mean, Phantom X is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, it's up there. He's Angel, up there. Beak, I don't know if I'd say. Memorable. Yeah. Glob yeah. Herman, Beak, we just talked about. There, yeah. Quentin Choir, pretty memorable. A lot of characters come out of here, right? That's a big part of this. But I mean, Zorn is, is up there, definitely. And then, in Planet X, there's the reveal. There's the turn that Zorn has been scheming against the X-Men all along. And not only that, but that when he takes off the helmet, he is the still-living Magneto, who we thought we last saw die in the East for Extinction Genosa bombing by Cassandra Nova. Charlotte, Zach, what did you think of this ultra-mega twist? Charlotte, you can go first. Uh, It feels like a retcon, even though it isn't one. Because, um, like, I know <laughs> yeah, Brent Morrison of. planned on doing that all alone, all along, but, like, it like it has, it it smells like a retcon, and it looks like a retcon, and it, it's probably, if I, it's annoying, because, like, the whole thing is, oh, how did you actually cure people? Oh, I used nano-robots to do it? Like, it, it has all the flavor of a, of a retcon where you're trying to explain to no prize every single detail, um... But it's actually what was planned all along. Um, and it's, I mean, it is kind of frustrating to waste that character, I guess, of Zone, even though, like, who cares, I guess, in, in the way that, like, it's their prerogative. Like, they created the character, they can do whatever they want with it. Um, like, I'm not owned, um, I'm not owed to, to I'm have not owned. stick around. I'm not owned. I'm not owned. <laughs> I'm not owed to have that character stick around, but it is kind of frustrating. Um, and yeah. it, I don't know, it feels like that there are, like, going back, there are a few hints in a way that he's kind of sketchy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, oh, but, like, 
not to the point of that total face turn. And even even afterwards, yeah. it's like Magneto has that like kind of divided, uh, like that voice of reason in his mind that's kind of zonish. Um, and he's like annoyed to having. He says he's annoyed that he had to kept up that pretense of uh, of the philosophical uh, Chinese. Uh, like, it's like that's. It felt like that was the character. That was the person we we knew. Like to say that that wasn't. I I, I guess I'd be more fine with it if Magneto was closer to the Zone persona even after the reveal. But like because he goes in that full heel turn of. Xenocide, xen- lunatic xenos- mode, yeah. like lunatic mode, genocidal yeah. maniac. It's like so that was all nothing. Like it feels frustrating that it feels pointless. Everything that happened beforehand, um, and so it makes for a very much unsatisfying uh, reveal. And I don't know. And here's the thing: like I don't even think unsatisfying is a very much a critique of of uh, of the comic. Like because a good comic can still feel unsatisfying. Or a good reveal can still feel unsatisfying. I don't know. It's it is. I do think it's kind of annoying, and the heel turn, like, doesn't work either with New X Men, the book that Grant Morrison has been doing, or just like X Men history as a whole. Like, it feels like Grant Morrison's vision for Magneto clashes with the Magneto we've met, we've come yes. to to know before, and I. It's annoying because like that's doesn't that shouldn't be necessarily a critique that shouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. It's still frustrating. It's still annoying. Um, and I don't know how much like to to what we said before about like this feeling like an ultimate book. Maybe it would feel it would feel less annoying if this was in its own continuity. Um, and it will come to be like this is kind of retcon I think afterwards. Um, but yeah, it's 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 annoying. It's annoying, and it feels like this isn't the Magneto we we know, and like that shouldn't be a critique, but it kind of is. I think yeah, that is I the know. most. That is definitely the majority opinion. Everything yeah. you just articulated is people. Uh, so oh, I, I told Zach. Wait, other people think that? I, sorry, just a second. Let me retool my opinion real yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, let me. <laughs> I tweeted a. I, I, lo- tweeted I love about this, this Magneto. <laughs> Do you? All right, then go on. Go off because we need uh, no. the no, we need the joking. pro we need the pro Morrison decision making. Well, here no, from, you know, I, I I'm kind of kidding, but uh, I actually don't mind the Magneto characterization because okay. So the the issue I have is the Zorn twist. You know, it's that kind of like a good twist should feel like surprising but inevitable, kind of. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It, this is just surprising where you're just like, what? Wait, what? Like, this doesn't add up. And it's not necessarily just that we haven't seen him in, like, you know, like, the clues haven't been there all along. There are a few it's if that... you really want to hunt for it, you know? Yeah. Especially, yeah. like, when the when the U-men come for the campers and Angel sees them, you know, and they've wiped them out and he gives that creepy look in the, the kind of the finger to the lips to, you know, shh, don't tell anyone. Yeah. Like, that. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a clue you could point back to. Mm. But the... um the fact that after he takes off the helmet, it so clearly clashes with what we've seen before and the, like, where it picks up after that is so strange in that, like, he's just this raving lunatic and he's like, yeah, I've recruited... This whole plot was to recruit a class of, you know, like, the outcasts. And it's like... I I guess I didn't... I didn't see what the point was of recruiting these people. Like, none of them are good at anything. <laughs> so, yeah, like, you should have recruited Quentin Quire. Like, he's a super powerful. Right. <laughs> yeah, Quentin was like, on your side. Like, literally was wearing t-shirts saying you were right. So, like, 
recruiting him, but like recruiting Beak and Angel and Basilisk, like I didn't get the point. There was no master plot to that. No. And then why they would follow him, follow him afterwards doesn't really add up. Like when he starts going like full genocide mode, like they start to feel icky when he literally starts marching people into like incinerators. They're like, ooh, I don't know if I like this so much, but like that's pretty far along the process where I'm surprised they stuck around that long. Mm-hmm. Um, just based on how, who Zorn was, it wasn't like indoctrinating them into getting them ready for this. So like j- just all that stuff about the twist didn't, add up to me if i kind of just draw a hard line between like before zorn and after or i guess like after the reveal and before it i kind of don't mind magneto being like unhinged like this uh i can see the complaint especially with the like parallels to you know him making like literal death camps uh like modeled after like world war ii holocaust camps (laughs) like (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and declare that as bad. Yeah. I'm gonna say that yeah, I, I think that's, that's the part that's like, this is, you know, so incongruous with the character and so, like, less interesting to just have him, like, completely give up any emotional feeling about that, even if he's still, like, cold and calculating and brutal for him to just, you know, like, turn like that is a little unbelievable. But I, I do, like, besides that, I kind of like him, you know, like, I, I don't mind an out-of-control Magneto. I don't mind one who's, like, kind of pathetic and... <laughs> ranting about vegetables and you know like out of control with the drug use like that that stuff doesn't bother me as much um so no i don't i don't hate this i also just don't love it either yeah so there's there's three elements bag for me there's three elements to this the first which you both just talked about is did the twist work right and that's its own conversation i mean i think broadly speaking the clear answer is no i think a vast majority of readers are going to think well, that feels a bit out of nowhere. That said, that's not the element that bothers me the most, necessarily. Um, I like Zorn. <laughs> I like that character. The idea that we could get to a almost final, a penultimate arc and have it be Magneto all along is kind of a fun... That's a fun X-Men idea. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that feels mm-hmm. of a piece with yeah. the way X-Men stories often go. So that part of it alone doesn't bother me. The second element to this is boy does everything escalate quickly <laughs> like oh, everything it goes from escalate. zero to like he's already taken over in between issues <laughs> between issues but which yeah. as jumps go i don't mind but it's like we literally go from it was magneto all along he's got professor x trapped with his nano sentinels inside him to mm-hmm. magneto has raised and taken over manhattan i mean Mag- magneto does a new york terrorism in two pages can, okay. can I ask, and I don't really care about this. This is not a something I'm concerned with on a story level. But does the rest of Marvel react to this at all? <laughs> like, no. he is toppling skyscrapers. Buildings are, like, just being ripped out of the ground. Uh, New York is in shamp. Like, everybody in New York is being funneled into, you know, euthanasiums. Right. <laughs> or whatever. Right, right. Like, uh, and I was like, does, is Spider-Man, does Spider-Man reference this? I don't think so, right? It might, like, this is just... it might get casually referenced. It is not like an okay. event, like with tie-ins kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, it might get casually referenced. I know. Like, oh, yeah, Magneto's. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Charlotte alluded to this, Wesley. and we're not going to talk about the specifics, but like Marvel Editorial has never worked harder and faster to undo a thing than the ending of <laughs> Morrison's new X-Men. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so... The, the escalation is just like absolute whiplash, right? So that's, I think that is a thing that absolutely doesn't help. And then the third element, which is probably the one that I find 
the most interesting, at least to talk about, is the characterization of Magneto. So once you get past all that, and you look at, okay, we've got Magneto lording over Manhattan again, and looking to reverse the magnetic polarities of the world and wipe out all of humanity, and somehow not mutants, I don't know, that part doesn't really make sense, um, mm-hmm. then you look at that, and it's like, okay, does this characterization work? And this is where more, one of Morrison's greatest skills throughout the 2000s, a thing that has cemented their Superman and Batman works as some of the best of all time, all-star Superman and then Batman and Batman and Robin and all that, is an unusual appreciation of the Silver Age of comics. Like, Morrison grew up on those, really loves those, and integrates that continuity and those ideas with modern takes in ways that are incredibly appealing to fans of the history of comics, right? To fans Mm -hmm. of, you know, the fact that these books have existed for decades upon decades. Morrison is also doing that here with a reliance on the Silver Age vision of Magneto, the Kirby Magneto introduction of... You know, just a full-on terrorist, <laughs> right? And yeah. someone who's just like ranting and raving and just like wide-eyed lunatic. Yeah, <laughs> like 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 the yeah. you know, and we mm-hmm. we talk about this in the '60s a tons act, but like you know, the mustachio twirling villain, right? Mm-hmm. Just the the archetype with no none of the nuance that came so much later. Here's a quote from Morrison that stirred people up when I shared it recently. Morrison, this is in like 2005, 2006. What people often forget, of course, is that Magneto, unlike the lovely Sir Ian McKellen, is a mad old terrorist twat. No matter how he justifies his stupid, brutal behavior, or how anyone else tries to justify it, in the end, he's just an old bastard with daft old ideas based on violence and coercion. I really wanted to make that clear at this time. Okay. <laughs> There's nothing clear about that. I mean, sorry. No. It's just such a, like, a nothing of a statement. That, that describes yeah. 60s Magneto. It describes... Yeah, sure. It describes Magneto before Uncanny X-Men number 150, right? Because there is a definitive hard turn in the character's history under the pen of Chris Claremont. Grant Morrison, in their X-Men manifesto, we talked about this in the first first time we talked about this with with the Use for Extinction, you know, basically was like, I want to bring X-Men back. I want to make them cool again. Um, I want to get back to the Claremont and Byrne heyday. I haven't read anything since. Now, I don't know if I'm paraphrasing that last bit a little bit. Because I don't know if it's literally like, wait, did he, are they, are they declaring they did not read anything after Claremont and Byrne? But the Magneto turn happens post Claremont and Byrne. So if that is the, the piece of continuity that you're paying the least attention to, that is literally the only stretch where Magneto then becomes the nuanced, far more sympathetic villain with, with justifications of a history in the Holocaust, surviving the Holocaust, right? And and trying to turn a corner with the new mutants, right? That version of the character really exists for about six years, from like eighty-four to ninety, and then he, and then Magneto goes hard villain again in ninety-one with Jim Lee. So when you actually think about the history of Magneto, the character is the villain Morrison is describing, in in parts, for eighty mm-hmm. percent of their existence, more if I knew how to do percentages. You know, it's <laughs> uh-huh. just the six-year stretch where they are the so much more interesting. Right, and and it becomes such a more compelling character that has really yeah. stuck. Um, yeah. So this interpretation of Magneto infuriates people. It infuriates people because it ignores the nuance that was added to the character. I think I'm not necessarily opposed to Morrison trying to take that version, but I do think they make so many mistakes along the way, including the biggest one, which is a direct 
Magneto is now the Nazi uh, sequence, mm-hmm. yeah. which is brutal and just c- absolutely careless. Absolutely yeah. careless, yeah, really, I, I think. It's really clumsy. Yeah, It is. I think it's absolutely awful. I, if you took that out, I would find it potentially easier to defend what is happening here as an interpretation of the character. Because the thing that I do like about Planet X is what I said at the very beginning of this, which is Morrison is trying to destroy repetitive cycles, right? Magneto always comes back. The X-Men always wind up in these fights against Magneto. He's trying to destroy that. He is making Magneto irredeemable, right? He is trying to, or they, excuse me, keeping the pronouns wrong. They are trying to make it so Magneto cannot come back again. (laughs) The character was so awful and did so much damage that you can't keep doing that. And that's not what what Marvel wants, actually, right? I mean, part of it is like, I kind of want, like, if you're going to really retool this character like this, because it is a retooling. I mean, you know, you, you can say it aligns with like the 90s stuff, but not really, right? Like, this is like a new hyped up escalated version yeah the 90 because the 90s magneto is still very noble it's still very and it's right still yeah. Clement, exactly, like yeah. it's yeah. done by the writer that has done the redemption before so everything feels as of a piece like his turn yeah. back to villainy feels as a reaction to feeling that what he tried before didn't work whereas here it's like nothing before mattered nothing before is called back upon it's just like Oh, we're going back to the 60s as if nothing happened, Uh, which feels frustratingly like regressive in a way that nothing else in Morrison's new X-Men is. Everything else is changing things to go forward, to do new things. And this feels like, I don't know, you said like they're trying to break cycles. And I think it's true of most of the things they try to move forward with new X-Men. But with everything else, it feels like it's for the sake of telling a new and interesting story and pushing everything forward. Mm-hmm. Here it feels like it's for the sake of breaking the cycle, for the sake of saying, okay, now we've taken Magneto of the boat. But like, why? what is that accomplishing? What is that doing for the characters? What is that doing for the world of X-Men? And I don't think here it's doing... Like, when I'm reading it, it feels like Morrison talking to Marvel instead of Morrison writing an interesting story, mm. uh, which is kind of annoying. Like, it, it is that annoying feeling that you often get reading superhero comics where the writer is doing a thing to address discussions about Marvel characters instead of just writing right. the story and pushing right. the story forward. Um, and I think that's, like, that's the only instance of it, at least to me, it's the main instance of it happening in New X-Men. That's what makes it even more annoying compared to the rest. Yeah. I, yeah, the... I guess, you know, like, if I still feel like... Like, I don't read comics necessarily in the thought of, like, you know, looking for, like, is this new in the, like, larger scheme of things? Is this something I've seen before? If it, like, feels fresher in the moment? And I think, like, the angle that... He took where they took with Magneto here uh, is like weird enough and like unique enough that it didn't feel like rehashing anything to me. Um, you know, return to villainy is a broad like door to walk through. And so, you know, there's there's different angles in this like unhinged, completely, you know, like detached from reality and losing that nobility Magneto. I, I think it might have been more interesting if he hadn't been killed off by Wolverine at the end of it. And we got like in arc here and we got some more time with him yeah. i mean they couldn't because he th- it was like it was escalated so quickly to like okay now he's already taken over 
you know, the entire city and the world is at threat and it's all going to be resolved in five issues. But like, um, yeah, I was kind there, of like, there is, I could have taken time with this guy. Right. I mean, there, is, there is such an, an a element of whiplash to, to how fast it comes that it makes it feel pointless. Like what did yeah. I just read? And why, mm-hmm. why is it, yeah. it feels yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. was that right. really a part of the comic or did I just imagine it because of how it feels <laughs> yeah. unreal in a way compared to the rest? Even the amount of like havoc that's being wrought in New York city, the, the lack of like buildup uh, compared to like, we just read Alan Moore's miracle man when, um, the villain there totally runs amok in London and just, you know, like that very quickly establishes. Mm. How about, yeah. You know what? I say Kid that, Magneto, but actually, there's some, pr- there's some pretty good art here, like showing Magneto ripping through. Yeah, Phil Jimenez scenes. knows I guess what they're doing. Absolutely. Phil Jimenez is really good here. I think Phil Jimenez actually stacks up like pretty close to quietly for me here, which I think is, is wild to say, and I'm surprised to be saying it, but like their stuff's really good. Anyway, the yeah, I guess there's some stuff. It's just like a little bit of a lack of detail, and I'm like, how has he totally taken over the city while standing up in this building? Like, I just, like, <laughs> yeah. I literally logistically don't understand what's happening. You know, it's like, it's not like he has a crew behind him to help. Well, he's got towed. Like, he doesn't, yeah, but he doesn't have, like, a militia to keep New York City in line, right? So, like, he's on drugs, but I don't know what that means. Is it nano-sentinels? So, like, I, I think that lack of, like caring about the specific plot mechanics and logistics means that like it does lack a little punch i'm like did 10 people get killed or did like fifteen thousand, or did three hundred thousand people die (laughs) in magneto's takeover i don't know yeah Uh, i mean by comparison to the an ultimate universe ultimatum or devastation Mm -hmm. it's actually very sloppy for all their flaws when you heard it here first first folks ultimatum over morrison's new x-men it's it's it (laughs) takes more care to at least address the damage it does yeah um yeah and actually like like and and, you know for all of the flaws right those when those devastations happen or in the ultimates you know they'll they'll put a number to things they'll say thirteen thousand people dead in in this city right they they will put a statistic to the tragedy whereas here like you're saying there's no specificity like charlotte just said it all feels like Okay, this is a dream, right? This is unreal. Like nothing, nothing about this feels grounded yeah. at all. Um, that every you know, and it's just like you combine all these elements: lack specificity, doesn't feel grounded, huge twist, <laughs> absolute whiplash jumping into this, everything about it. And it's just like okay, whatever points we're trying to be made here, they're all lost in that shuffle. They're all badly lost in that shuffle. Could there have been a kernel? of of an idea here with magneto that could have worked yeah of course uh but it's but it's so shrouded in everything else that we're never really going to get to it you know um so i i think planet x is definitely it's a huge swing and a miss um and because it you know the other thing too is like okay if you want to no prize it magneto's rage makes sense magneto wanting to do this makes sense you know after genosha like after what they witnessed, that part of it yeah, makes sure. sense. Yeah, yeah. But it then doesn't you... really like sell that or even address it no. that that's what he's mad about. <laughs> no. <laughs> like Yeah. No, yeah. it doesn't. But yeah, it's it's true. Yeah, you kinda uh-huh. have to fill the blanks. Which is something I feel with a lot of Morrison stuff, and sometimes it can feel like subtle and intriguing and sometimes it feels sloppy and careless, you know. So that's I mean that that really is my takeaway with this uh this whole run. It's, it's this this does feel kind of a like the the epitome of everything that we've read. Oh, I, see, I, think, I don't like, I don't think I mean I don't think the rest the rest of the run is 
incredibly careful compared to this. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think this that, like, our complaints here are just, like, stuff that I feel throughout. It's just maybe to a lesser degree. Maybe epitome is not the right word. Um, I, I also don't I, I don't think I dislike this as much as you or the rest of, you know, maybe the... the Planet X. Yeah, I think it's okay. I, uh, I, I, can't, I found stuff to, like, be intrigued by here, and uh, and I liked I liked enough of it. Because, um, I mean, I really like the way that, like, the X-Men are spread out and dispersed here and yeah, yeah. the, like, dynamics that are happening between them uh, spread out. Especially, I mean, like I said, that whole Logan-Jean Grey sequence is, like, an all-timer for me. Uh, yeah, Magneto, Magneto traps them on an asteroid M and hurdles it towards the sun. <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's and, like, and just them slowly dying and being like, let's, you know, we're only going to talk telepathically. But then, like, Wolverine kind of, like, reassuring her out loud while they're having a conversation. He's still, like, saying stuff like, you yeah. know, like, they're there and everything's okay, like, out loud while they're having a fully fledged conversation in their minds. Yeah, those are really nice um, Wolverine gene yeah. moments. And then she, you know, he has to kill her, but then she has the phoenix developing and she goes full phoenix and that's enough to come back. yeah the phoenix waits to come out when the sun is burning them not when she's getting stabbed through by wolverine kind of seems uh you know inconvenient timing well, phoenix, phoenix till... likes heat some yeah, like it hot so. phoenix is definitely yeah. one of them um mm-hmm. i mean i guess that's that's the other part of how this ends too is phoenix gene and and wolvie come back and then to very rapidly put a cap on things phoenix gene sacrifices herself Kinda, sort of. I mean, that's pretty ineffective too. I got it. Takes like two steps too close to Magneto, who puts a hand on Jean Grey. Is like, I just gave you a. He says like a planetary sized stroke. He uses all of his magnetism that he was gonna literally turn the world upside down with, and he uses it to give Jean a really, a really nasty wet willy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's kind of strange, and you're just like, oh, he's after with like uh, mutant power. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. she's dead now okay yeah. like i think the death scene is actually really effective so like i kind of give it a pass because even though the way that she died is kind of silly the um the like the tie up of this whole arc between her and uh cyclops like ending here i think yeah. really worked worked for me and the and line I think emotionally it lands and uh yeah you know like the the, the conclusion of <laughs> of slim being like i i like him uh being like i figured it out you know, I've decided who I'm going to choose. And then, like, we don't find out what he's going to, which I assume Morrison will get some uh, some content out of here with, like, Cyclops, you know, not having said out loud who he's going to choose before one of them dies. And now, <laughs> like, probably is going to live in the, like, dissonance of not having said it. Yeah. And maybe, you know, oh, yeah, I was always going to have chosen Emma. So, um, yeah, it was uh, it was good. I like that part. And then and we just put a cap on it. And then Wolverine kills Magneto. Um, well, he's just oh, yeah. So yeah. Gene and Magneto yeah. die at mm-hmm. the end of this, and then we end with a glimpse into the future of a Phoenix egg, and we'll we'll talk about that next time. We'll talk about that next time on the next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm assuming it won't be that long because we still got we yeah. haven't done an X Men Future arc yet. We haven't done a Days of Future. Past what is X Men Future? Well, like Days of Future. X Men in the future. Oh, interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That that also felt like another like Hickman Hoxpox thing. Where it's just like, and now jump to the future, and here's what the X Men are up to, you know, 150 years from now. Yeah, I I do want to reiterate though, because Planet X, it, it leaves you or it leaves me with a very sour note, and I just want to reiterate, like this is a great run still. Um, I think New X Men yeah. is very flipping good. Uh, it is often much harder than a lot of 
maybe all X-Men comics, sometimes that is worth it, sometimes it's not. Um, but I think in what they're trying, even with Planet X kind of going totally upside down, right? On, at least on me. Um, you know, I, I still think like you can't, you can't hold that against the whole run, I don't think. And we're, we're also talking about Planet X with higher expectations than we've been talking about X-Men coming for the past 10 years. Absolutely. Like, that's also why we're... Uh, yeah. Maybe sure. why yeah. it can feel like we're so negative, negative on it, just because, like, we like that run so much that when it's not as good as the, the highest highs, like, there's more to talk about. But, like, even, like, mediocre, bad 90s comics, we never had that much to, to talk about them. Like, it's still a very interesting comic to discuss. It's just, like, it, it kind of fails in comparison to the rest of the run. Uh, mm-hmm. But still, it's not a terrible comic in any regard. Like, it's still very competently... Com- competent... Com- competently? Is that a word? Competent. competent. Mm-hmm. It's still very yeah, competent. 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 And it's, yeah. uh, like, it's... We're just judging it on a on a higher level than most other. Yeah. Comics, oh, for I sure. guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, if I'm complaining about Morrison's writing, you know, just just know that it, yeah, it is a higher scale than the like mainline stuff that we've been reading. Like, I, yeah. I still quite like this. Um, and we didn't talk that much about Phantom X. He's so cool. He's a cool guy. He's got uh, guns and a outside brain. His brain's and on his outside. French. <laughs> he's not actually French. I think that's well, a fake kind of. <laughs> I don't. I think I think Charlotte can claim. Phantom X is friend. Yeah, we say he's friends claims Phantom X. <laughs> his many? name is inspired by Phantom X. Like he, he's French-like. Yeah, he's yeah. more French than Gambit. Yes. All right. For Fair. Sure. <laughs> what, um, what other French heroes? Do? Batrock, I guess. Um, Sabra shows up in this run is, for some oh, reason. Yeah. Sabra, <laughs> French, French. French. Yeah. Oh, that's also like an idea that Morrison throws out that like uh, the X Corporation, right? In like yeah. a worldwide net of uh x-men stuff that then kind of just falls by the wayside and never really gets kind of used throughout a little bit here and there you know they have a global presence it feels like morrison should be brought in when a comic gets stale given enough time to like actually shake things up to not have like a mini series you know that can be kind of hand waved away entirely but like two to three years and then you know has to leave (laughs) this is like about where i want Morrison to come in is like do some like fun new comics and then introduce you know like 15 new ideas that really have to change things that people will be inspired by and then someone else can run with because even See, Phantom I don't... X who I really like like I'm looking forward to someone else doing Phantom X and getting some like a little bit more like substance to the character be, I just think you're it's that thing of we're holding them we're holding them to a higher standard and I think you're going to be disappointed with what you find <laughs> in yeah. outside yeah. of those yeah. hands I mean I will also say like I get what you're saying in terms of how on New X-Men that makes sense. Morrison began and ended a four-year run on Justice League, where at no point did it feel like, well, this has gone too long, from 96 to 2000. Mm-hmm. And, and, Batman goes and does forever, the same with right? Batman yeah. for even longer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think those that consideration or that interpretation is actually pretty specific to kind of the Marvel experience. And, I mean, maybe yeah. we'll talk about this next time too, but it's like this ends badly as far as Morrison and Marvel editorial. Morrison has not worked with Marvel again. Um, and that, if you're a Marvel Comics fan, is a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah. Like, I'd love to see what they would do There could have been a lot Spider-Man of really interesting ideas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I do think, I think Morrison expressed, either they've said this or just I've seen people express it themselves, or maybe on interpretation, like, Morrison tends to like messiness. Um, and and I do think the X-Men kind of fit the bill. Like, like a Grant Morrison Spider-Man, I, I don't know that that has a lot of, like... I don't. I, I don't think I'd actually be. I don't know. I, I would definitely buy it, right? But like, yeah. does that sound like no, a good I, fit? I it doesn't. Mean, like, yeah. They, yeah. They kind of like. Well, 
Only in that, like, they probably wouldn't be, like, sticking to Peter Parker, uh, neighborhood Spider-Man, you know? It would probably get... You, you, it could, have to get it could be the most we... interesting thing to ever happen to the character, or just a <laughs> massive swing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, because, I mean, they like, they like big worlds to play in, right? Like, cosmic stuff is usually a pretty good fit. Uh, I'm trying to think what the smallest scale Morrison thing is. I mean, Batman by design is kind of street level, but even that Morrison takes in a lot international, of international yeah. back in time. There's a lot that happens. Uh, on the action comics. The new 52 action comics stays actually pretty like yeah. ground level. Uh, intentionally. Also Although goes into the fifth dimension. Though. And, yeah. yeah. And, and multiverses. Yeah. Wait, action comics. Yeah. 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 Are, are you thinking of, Oh, okay. Yes, indeed. I, I don't remember that part of it. That's where yeah. we get anyway, President uh, Calvin Ellis. <laughs> Um, cool comics. Uh, glad I bought them. <laughs> glad I yeah. read them. Yeah, you bought uh, these? Oh, I I bought the omnibus the for Omni? this like four years ago. Yeah, and it's just been sitting on the shelf. So, how uh, uh how's that concave day. indent in your chest from trying to hold that omnibus while you lay down? Oh, I have to sit at my reading desk with this book. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it doesn't it does not work uh, sitting on the couch reading this one. Yeah, omnibuses are so impractical, but I love them. Um, yeah, I don't mind. Kind of, you know, you can either sit in a chair and read it, or sit at a table and have it played out in front of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Either one. Yep. Um, next time on my marvelous year, Marvel sixteen oh two, the best comic of two thousand three? Question mark. Big question mark. Real big. Question big mark. big question mark. It's the question we all uh, we all want. Answered. This was we the fan demanded, fan mm-hmm. demanded inclusion. On the list, as well as mm-hmm. we're, we're finally going to talk about Alias, a.k.a. Jessica Jones. Yep, which is not on Marvel Unlimited. As a reminder, you got to go find it elsewhere. Um, and uh, yeah, 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 looking forward to that. Uh, I already started Marvel 1602. It's fun. I, uh, I dig it. Neil Gaiman. I have... It's a good writer. It, is it as good as... Marvel 1602, as good as Sandman, Sandman? some say? <laughs> question yeah. mark? Yeah. Are we... Is that worse? <laughs> Zach, how far are you in Sandman? Oh, so far. Quick Sandman tracker update. Two thirds, three quarters of the way through. Two thirds, three quarters. <laughs> Many wow. times over. Big increase, even in that, <laughs> even in that two second span where you updated it. Uh, Charlotte, have you ever read Sandman? I've never read a page of Sandman. Wow, yeah. Charlotte. Yeah, we have I know. to maybe extra issues. We just yeah cover all of the Sandman universe because that's wild. Yeah, let's take. Three oh, you would there. love it. Oh my god. It's crazy. There is a lot there. All right, good deal. I don't even really like Neil Gaiman that much besides no? Sandman. But Sandman is, like, remarkable. We'll, we'll uh, talk about it with 1602. We'll talk about our Gaiman, our Gaiman opinions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At yeah, that yeah. time. And our Gaiman opinions. Sure. Space for that. <laughs> should, should, we? <laughs> should we? Should we? Just, what do you, Dave, what do you think about Gaiman? What do I think about Gaiman broadly? <laughs> uh, I'm pro. To... Pro. Pro Gaiman. Okay, Big, uh, okay, sure. Honestly, no one supports comic book herald on youtube harder than mm. gay men so uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm really oh, so it's, glad a, to it's, it's a mercenary uh endeavor for you everything's a little <laughs> transactional yeah so here here uh, here's what i'm gonna say and uh you know i don't care if i get canceled for this i think they're cool cool guys yeah wow okay. bold stance you got a stands. few you've got a few cancellations coming based on things you said today so this, <laughs> yeah this i'm still on the fence i'm i'm waiting to be impressed <laughs> yeah <laughs> Need more data. <laughs> I'm going to be convinced. <laughs> okay. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, next time, 2003, Part 8. Find your copies of Alias, a.k.a. Jessica Jones, because you can't read them on Marvel Unlimited. We'll see you next year. See you, see you next, next year. year.